0: The 93rd Academy Awards happened last night, Hayden. And it was fucking wild. Yeah, it was goddamn weird. But uh, we sat down, we watched it together, had pizza. It was a good time. It was. And uh, now we're going to finally talk about uh, most of the, uh, like, eight out of nine of the pictures nominated for Best Picture.
1: Spoilers for once we get to the actual movie discussion. You've been warned now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we, we go big in depth on as many of the movies as we can, talk about the upsets of the awards show, uh, talk about the nice, intimate moments, and uh, in general, we have our own little celebration of movies. So I hope you enjoy it. How did the Academy let that
1: happen? Well, you know, it's not all up to them. They just kind of, you know, facilitate it happening. (laughs) Yeah, that's fucking
0: crazy, though. You know what? What a what a what a perfect storm of things to go wrong. That like the I I, I was reading today. This year was already the uh lowest viewed Academy Awards. Like I think in history ever. Um, yeah, had if not like, at least recent history. I think it was ever It had like nine million something viewers. Yeah, it was under ten million for the first time. Uh but then on top of that they really
1: flubbed the ending. Yeah. Um I mean, I I don't think it was intentional, but um when you when you when the academy decides to cuck to cuck you that hard, yeah, that's um that's what you get. I have to
0: wonder. Um and and for those listening that may not be aware. So it, it, it had seemed like everything was being built to the idea of Chadwick Boseman
1: winning Best Actor. We're uh, talking about the Oscars, by the way. <laughs> well, I said the Academy. Yeah, but some people don't know. You know, I'm just just I'm helping out the duly uninformed. All right, so at the 93rd Academy
0: Awards, the, the arrangement of awards being given out had been completely changed up, uh, not just for the... Difference in presentation and the strange year we've had, but it would seem that they were building to the idea that Chadwick Boseman posthumously was going to be awarded Best Actor, so they presented that award last, assumedly so they could have a big tribute moment, especially because they didn't, you know, they they gave him exactly as much time as almost anybody else during the in memoriam, without uh, much fanfare. But then Anthony Hopkins ended up winning Best Actor. And then the show just ended. There wasn't anything. Uh, They said very quickly, we accept this award on his behalf because if the Hopkins wasn't there. And then the show rolled credits and it was fucking awkward. It was bad. It was a terrible way for it to end. Like, you know, supposedly the the Academy at large doesn't know who the winner is going to be. So so this was just setting up for what they thought was the inevitable so they could have a nice moment for Chadwick. But how do you not have a contingency?
1: <laughs> what made it worse, too, was that Anthony Hopkins wasn't there. Like, even if, if Anthony Hopkins had been there, it wouldn't have been as bad. But <laughs> the dude who won for the last award didn't even show up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Did
0: you see his response on Twitter about that? Yes,
1: I loved it. It was very, I mean, like, I don't know what else you could have hoped he would have said.
0: He said, like, three times,
1: I really didn't expect to get this award. Yeah, well, I think that's partially humble Anthony Hopkins. And two, I think he just thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that he he beat it over the head, he, he said, I really mean that, I really didn't expect to win this award. I think I think it was a lot of option B there.
1: From like a, please don't hate me. I didn't make this happen. <laughs> My man just wanted to take a vacation to Wales. And see his dad's grave. Like, goddamn. Just let the man be. He's adopt Apparently he's adopting a bunch of cats too. Since he got his COVID <laughs> vaccine. Like, oh. But,
0: you know, uh, to Anthony Hopkins' credit, he is now the oldest actor to win
1: an acting-related award from the Oscars. Period. Is he really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he, that's the thing that kind of sucks to an extent is because everyone's like, what the fuck? Chadwick Boseman didn't win. But I mean, Anthony Hopkins was also amazing in The Father. Absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, for sure. The award was earned. Can't take that from him. Yeah. But it Someone... definitely did make for an awkward
1: affair during the show. Yeah someone was uh listing listed the four acting winners this year and um god damn it's a it's a stacked list and i feel like normally like all around the the best actor actress and then supporting roles there's usually like one person in there where you're like eh. okay but you know we got anthony hopkins francis McDormand, uh okay who won the supporting ones uh uh Daniel Kaluuya won best actor. Daniel Kaluuya won supporting and then uh Yujong Yoon won for Minari, which she's probably the only one on there someone might go eh about but I mean, yeah, her only performance lack in, of a
0: name recognition. Yeah. Cuz her performance was still stellar.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing that would have probably made it bigger on a on a name basis was if Glenn Close or Olivia Coleman won. Yeah. But I mean, that we got from, uh, from the acting categories this year, we were kind of spoiled with just four great performances.
0: And I, I for sure think that in this case, uh, depending on your opinion on the Best Actor award, I think the award went to everybody it should have. Uh, I, I can't say that anybody else in the Supporting Actor category deserved it more than Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which, I, he had the best accepted speech of the entire night. I, oh, dude.
1: I don't know, though. Yu Yoon trying to shoot a shot with Brad Pitt was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And that was, uh, that was something I really liked about the awards. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Oscar shows in my time, but the fact that uh, Steven Soderbergh looked at the ceremony how it had to be this year and turned it on its head in a way that I think, despite the low ratings, I think it was a good show. I enjoyed it. I, you know, sometimes I thought some people went a little long and were a little pretentious, but I appreciated that this was a moment that had less pomp and circumstance than normal and slowed it down and got a chance to be a little bit more intimate with people. And when somebody wanted to go long because this was a moment that meant a lot to them, you could still feel they were pouring their heart into something. And I, I just generally liked seeing that.
1: Yeah, I still wish some people uh, knew their place in Hollywood a little more and um, <laughs> adjusted the length of their speech accordingly. Um, I get it. I get it. Like, for some people who did full feature films, I get, you know, it's your time. I get it. But when you win, like, documentary short, get get up there, get say your piece, and let's move on.
0: Yeah, or at least get the octopus up there.
1: Yeah. Like, what, I still, I kind of, I don't, I still don't know how to feel about that one. Like, okay. I need to actually watch it now, and I, but I already know once I watch it, I'll be like, eh. So, I don't know. But there weren't two, I mean, overall, for the most part, it went as chalky as we expected. Um, I think, other than Best Actor and, was it Editing? Yeah, Editing really
0: threw us off. Uh because editing ended up going to Sound of Metal, and
1: we're both pretty firmly that the father should have taken that award.: Yeah, I mean, was, which was weird because every any time the Sound of Metal could have won, I was like, yes, yes, that was my favorite movie of the year." but the father's editing was done superbly to just get the whole point of that movie, help get the point of that movie across. like it may the, the that whole the, the takeaway of the father is the editing. In my opinion. So for it to not win and the one thing that it's like, this is what we're specializing in, just, I don't know, felt odd. And I I didn't think there was anything that, unless it was because of all the sign language stuff, but I don't know how that, I don't know. I guess I, maybe I don't understand the full extent of what film editing is looking at, but it just seemed odd that Sound of Metal won that one.
0: Right. And I, I agree. Uh, I, I think the nature of the kind of movie The Father was demanded a specific kind of editing that they really took a hold of and worked in a way to emphasize the things going on in the movie, whereas The Sound of Metal, you know, the big takeaway, if anything, was the sound editing, but we have other categories for that.
1: Yeah, which it did win for sound, correct? Yes, it did also win for sound. Achievement and sound is what they is the new name. Previously, it was sound editing and sound mixing, I believe, were the two sound categories. But it has, I think, appropriately been uh, combined into one. I don't know how you feel about that, or if you have any strong feelings. Yeah, I have none. I, I, I do like the technical awards, but most of the time it's like, okay. You know, we don't need a bajillion of them.
0: Yeah. But it was, you know, in general, it was nice to be able to have the awards as they were, uh, as things try to return to normal, at least for us here in the U.S. Even for a pared-down ceremony, it was nice that we were able to have that, uh, see people that we like and love get together and celebrate this medium that I really like and love. And, uh... Yeah, it was just... Uh, it was nice. It was nice.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there were a lot of great storylines overall. I mean, you know, Chloe Zhao won, which was awesome, for her first feature film. We got a lot of different representation amongst the award winners this year, which, you know, there this was not an Oscars-so-white kind of year. Yeah, hope to um, God
0: that keeps up next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean would it yeah it was just a great all i mean everyone was represented which is always great and yeah let's i hope as we move forward we just get more opportunities where we can just have more representation in it like yeah you're not going to have every year where i i don't think every year will be as diverse as this year but you know we're that de- it's looking to be on the right track which i guess that's one of the things when i go back to Anthony Hopkins winning just seems kind of like the one part that was like that just doesn't seem to fit the rest of the narrative we got with a lot of the other award winners. Right. But you know, next year's next year. I I do want to point out that I believe I do think Francis McDormand now is one of only a very select few to have three. Uh, Best actress Oscars. So um appreciate every time you can see that woman on screen, because she is a legend. Yeah,
0: for sure. Which I I loved her her speech when uh I I believe it was for when she won Best I think it was when No won Best Picture. She got on stage and said, When you can go see our movie. On the biggest screen possible. Get your friends. And take them to see all the movies nominated tonight. On the biggest screen possible. Which. Uh, And then howled. (laughs) (laughs) And then howled. I feel like that second part. Was some backpedaling. On the first part. Because the first part really sounds like she was just saying. Fuck you Hulu. And as much as I am a proponent. For streaming services. And I think they have done a lot for. The movie industry this year in particular and i think uh in any other year netflix movies like trial of the chicago seven should be or or mank should be recognized along with all the other movies here uh but i do appreciate uh despite that it was a celebration of movies um that in the shadow of a prolific enterprise like the arc light being shut down that there is still the support that you should go to the theater and experience these movies in this way because it's the best way to do so, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, That and the industry as a whole needs everyone to go do that to stay afloat.
0: (laughs) Yes, that that is
1: also true. Not to downplay
0: the capitalism.
1: Which I think she kind of played on in her neck when she got back up there for Best Actress where she was just like, I like to work. Well, actually, she was more like, I already gave my speech, so I don't give a shit. (laughs) I'm Francis McDormand. I I like to work. Thank you. Bye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be looking out for uh, I'm thinking about reactivating my AMCA list here soon. And uh, I kind of hope that there is a victory lap of these Oscar movies and I can see at least some of them again in theaters. Because I think something like Nomadland or Minari
1: would be something that I want to see again. Interesting. Interesting they have Minari on there, because I think I told you yesterday when we were watching, I was like, yeah, I, you know, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. But I don't, I mean, I don't really... There's a reason I didn't jump at the opportunity to go see that at the beginning of 2020 when you could still go see it. Um, Mostly because I thought I knew what the movie was going to be, and it was at least to what my expectations was pretty on point of what I thought. But um maybe I, maybe maybe you're right though. Maybe I should just suck it up and go <laughs> see some of these again just if if for nothing else to support cinema.
0: <laughs> sure. So, let's uh let, let's go over some other thoughts on the whole award show and then I want to talk about these movies in particular and maybe we can get to the bottom of some stuff. Uh, so okay. was there was there any other categories that you thought w- had a, had a winner you didn't expect
1: or something you're particularly happy got recognized? Um, the couple that Sound of Metal got, I was I mean I was happy to see Sound of Metal win editing, although I didn't think it should have. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but you're just happy to see that movie get more recognized.
1: Yes, yes, because I don't think. That, I mean, with the weird year in general it, is, it was for cinema, to say, oh, I don't think enough people heard of it or saw it is an understatement just because that kind of goes for just about every movie I felt except for maybe Nomadland. I feel like the most people saw Nomadland. But I think just in general, most of these movies haven't been seen. Um, I'm happy to see another round win just from some of the buzz I'd been hearing about it closing or closer to the start of the show. Uh and that's definitely one that I'm gonna to want to go and watch.
0: Yeah, that is for sure next on my list. That is the next movie I'm going to watch
1: probably later tonight. I I might I might do the same. Um I, I was very happy to see Yu Jong Yoon win. Um, mostly because in the, in the supporting role, I, I mean, I just, I didn't see Hillbilly eulogy and I don't think I will from a lot of the stuff I've read, but I didn't think any of the other supporting actress, uh, people, women gave performances that were super memorable. Now, granted, I haven't seen Borat, and I've heard that. Yeah, I was
0: going to say specifically, Maria Bakalova, if there was anyone else that should have won, I for sure think it was her. If for no other reason that she is a young woman keeping up with Sasha Baron Cohen and his Borat antics in the middle of the most... uh, idealistically segregated America has ever been. And to put herself in the situation, she did keep her cool and stay as funny as she was. She is a worthy nominee here.
1: Oh yeah. She would have been the only other one that I've been like, I would have been, that would have been really cool to see. I mean, I really, like I said, I really liked Olivia Coleman in the father, but was it Oscar worthy? Ah, I I mean, depending on the year. Yeah. But, I was really happy for Yu Zhang uh, other than that, i don't really I can't recall any other ones, where I was like, "Oh my God, yay, I'm so happy this one because, like I said, for the most part, themes seemed super chalky to me, and there weren't that many unexpected winners.
0: yeah, and I'll say on that note, uh best animated feature is always pretty well locked for Pixar but I am happy that Soul won just because I fell in love with the best parts of Soul uh, and it also won best score and I think that is absolutely deserved uh, for the work that John Batiste did with uh, Reznor and Ross. Uh, Just really happy to see that get uh, (laughs) at least over Onward. Happy that Soul was the one that got recognized (laughs) because Onward was mid as fuck for Pixar. Uh, Even if uh, you know, maybe Shaun the Sheep should get
1: some more love in general for the pedigree that it comes from. You know, I'm scrolling through just again all the winners, and yeah, I guess my biggest takeaway of what I was happy to see was how many movies got attention and got love and got well wins. Like it was all over the place with just about all the big movies won at least one. I think of the the probably more mainstream movies trial of the Chicago seven. I think is the only one that didn't win anything, which is uh, very
0: funny because as much <laughs> as I actually did enjoy that movie, it was the most Oscar bait picture in the whole list of best picture nominees. So I do think it is pretty funny that it didn't get any recognition whatsoever.
1: But see. I, I, I get what you say with the Oscar bait, but to me it was the most just like mid movie. It was like, yes, it, I, I think I was telling you this also yesterday. Of just, it, To me, it came off very much of this is just a crowd-pleasing type of movie. Like, it, you're, it's, you're supposed to enjoy it, but that's just it. You just enjoy it. You don't come out and go, wow, that was an incredible film. You're just like, yeah, I liked it. That was fun.
0: Sure. I mean, I think there were parts of that movie that were shocking for particularly me, but it was generally a fun watch. However, yeah. being Oscar bait does not mean that it can't be mid as fuck cuz I mean, look at Green Book. <laughs> that shit won best picture. And uh yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't describe more than one scene of that movie to you. Just cuz it's it has been gone from my memory. I didn't give a shit.
1: It's like uh, that's kind of sad cuz I could probably then explain as much to you about it and I've never seen it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we uh we did our homework and uh with one exception we were both able to watch all of the best picture nominees this year. Um but given that we scrunched a bunch of them into the last week before the Oscars, we didn't really get a chance to talk about a lot of them. Um we've had little conversations here and there, but I did want to take a moment and go down the list and just kind of get your thoughts on some of these movies. Okay. Uh, so since we we already got into it a little bit, uh, but uh talk to me about Trial of Chicago seven.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I enjoyed it. It it's I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan, so right off the bat, I'm probably going to enjoy this movie. And I did. Um I thought Sasha and Barry Cohen was amazing. Although it was weird. I when when you're done and you're thinking back on it, it's like, why is a forty year old man playing a early twenties something. Like I don't know. And that's part just weird to me. Um he did it great. He did it well. But I don't know. It was weird. Um I like I said, one of the most I just I just had a good time watching it. I, I don't really have a lot of bad things to say. Um there were I mean there's uh, there's some issues with some of the writing I thought but you know I, I don't have too many complaints. I just enjoyed it
0: sure. And yeah, I do think Sasha Baron Cohen was the standout performance of that movie. Uh naturally, he was nominated for best supporting actor for that role. Uh I think he had really strong moments, but I think in general the cast was really good. I you you have some kind of negative thoughts on Eddie Redmayne that I don't share from the movie. Oh yeah, uh, I just thought he was meh. But I think a lot of that is attributed to Aaron Sorkin's dialogue that uh it was just a fun watch the way people delivered their lines. Um it the movie was cut and edited in a way that did make the whole thing seem more fun and frenetic than the actual story of the trial of the Chicago seven is. Um, yes. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because the, the parts that had to be quiet and serious certainly were, Uh, you know, I mean, there's the, the two jokester characters, one of them played by Sasha Baron Cohen. I, Forget the other actor involved Um, there. They add a lot of levity throughout the whole movie. But then there's the moment that they take the Black Panther on trial to the back room and strap him to a chair and bring him back out to the court gagged. And uh, there are no laughs during that part. There is nothing to be played up. Uh, They play that exactly as they need to. And it was frankly shocking.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah, I that was the probably the, the deepest scene of the movie and especially when I wasn't isn't it Joseph Gordon Levitt's character that then is kind of like okay what the what the fuck are we doing here
0: yeah and to
1: to give him some humanity
0: for a middle class white man who the american education system has failed in this regard seeing movies like Trial of the Chicago 7 and Judas and the Black Messiah this year a uh, hell of a double feature and uh, yes. while things are obviously embellished for the sake of movies, I think ACT is a pretty good jumping point for furthering an actual education in the things that have gone on around
1: these events. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's kind of goes in tandem with a lot of events going on in this country right now, but it has definitely opened my eyes further to just how little I understood or understand about what a lot of different people have to go through on a daily basis.
0: Right. And it, 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 certainly, it was, it was a cool, this is kind of fucked up to say, it was a cool moment when in the trial of the Chicago seven, halfway through, you get the news that Fred Hampton was assassinated. And then not too long after I wouldn't watched Judas and the black Messiah, which naturally ends with the assassination of Fred Hampton and In these historical dramas, you know, I don't normally watch them back to back. So when they could intersect like that, it's really interesting to be reminded that while they are embellished, these are real stories that were interacting at the same time and had effects on each other like that. Because you don't assassinate the leader of a civil
1: rights movement and don't expect the ripples to come from that. I did think it was interesting because the whole I watched I like you watched Judas and the Black Messiah after seeing Trial of the Chicago Seven, and I I kept thinking oh are they gonna have a scene or a reference to him being at the trial, uh Fred Hampton being at the trial and they didn't obviously I think, well not obviously I was probably just how it was written, but I would have been like well, if they did that that was you would have. It would have made you think that they were almost working in tandem to have little shout outs.
0: Yeah, if not for the fact that uh, these were obviously separate productions happening at separate times, and uh, Netflix probably could not get Daniel Kaluuya for all of two scenes to play Fred Hampton in their movie that had Fred Hampton. Uh, What a thing that would have been, though. Yeah,
1: that would have been wild.
0: So let's move on then, Uh, and uh, let's go ahead and roll into Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, we, we did have a little bit of a talk on a podcast previous and I know that we did have a kind of divergent opinion on the movie, but I'm curious to hear if that's changed at all for you.
1: I mean, I liked it. I just, I, I, I didn't, I still don't get the real purpose. Like I just didn't think, uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character did anything. Like, he was just there as a means to view Fred Hampton. And you think that's a bad thing? I don't know. It's just, I just... No, I don't think it's a bad thing, but... I, I don't know. I, with, with the main character of the movie being Fred Hampton, you got a lot more of Lakeith Stanfield's character doing just kind of like dumb mole shit that doesn't really progress Fred what we know of Fred Hampton forward at all and then it's like oh yeah he turned on him so he wouldn't go to jail cool
0: yeah and and that that is where the opinion differs at least in the way that I view the film and the way you view the film uh <sighs> And and your opinion is validated in the way things are nominated at the Oscars. Uh, well, okay, so that's I my, I don't that's agree. part of my problem. I don't agree that Fred Hampton was the main character of the movie. I think through and through that Lakeith Stanfield was the main character. It was his movie, and the entire purpose was to view Fred Hampton from a distance. Uh, but then. Both actors were nominated for supporting actor, so it's it's hard to say one way or the other who's right and who's wrong
1: on that. I, I think that is probably where my biggest issue comes from from a framing standpoint of I, it's bullshit. They were both nominated for supporting. I, I think I make one of them best actor. Don't don't put them both in supporting. That 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 was stupid.
0: Which it was nice, but uh, when Kaluuya accepted the award, he did give a very personal shout-out to Lakeith Stanfield uh, because yes. they,
1: they were both phenomenal in the movie. Amid, amid him mentioning his parents having sex.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I, I don't think there's a whole lot else to say about Juice and the Black Messiah. It was a good movie, but I don't know that it's one I will come back to anytime soon. To quote uh,
1: another ringer podcast i don't know how rewatchable it was but who knows (laughs) uh
0: so one that you you actually really did like uh sound of metal
1: yes i
0: did i talk about this we have not had we've not had a chance to talk about this on a podcast yet we didn't i thought i talked about it last week uh if it was it would have been in a very vague sense because
1: i had not seen it yet okay i i love this movie um it seems like it was almost written or made for me. I it's, and as it's funny saying that, and then you're like, Oh, well why? And then I'm my initial thought is to go, I don't know. It's just you, whatever just, you watch a movie and go, Oh my God, this just hits all the things I like in a story and how the scenes are shot, how the characters progress through, uh, their mindset and how they develop throughout the plot of it. I just, I loved it. Uh it had very similar, just, uh, production value, this is gonna potentially not sound like a compliment, but it is, very similar production value to a movie, uh, that I, wa- that came out a few, a while ago now, uh, called Safety Not Guaranteed, which was a very low budget art artsy movie, um, had some pretty decent actors in it, um, had a decent cast, uh, but it it just gave me a lot of vibes to that of just like a very indie feel to a more bigger slightly bigger budget film. This I if I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but if you told me it wasn't very big, I would a hundred percent believe you. Um but just some of the and I think you said this, Chris, of how it just deals with being an addict. Uh it was just a very it was but doing it in a different way than you would initially think of was very cool to see done. And just the way it deals with the, the deaf community, which I, you know, you don't see a lot done in Hollywood. I thought was very cool.
0: While I was watching this movie, uh, and I don't mean for this to undermine the experience whatsoever. Uh, I was reminded a lot of watching Bojack Horseman. Where you are with this character for so long and you see them getting better. Um, in the movie, you see Riz Ahmed's character get invested in the deaf community and learn how to be deaf as he was supposed to. And really connecting with people for a time but inevitably he does slip and does something stupid and fucks up the whole situation that was really good for him. And that's something that happens a lot in BoJack Horseman. So the characters paralleled for me there. Um, and as someone who is blessed to not have an addiction or to have any close family that has struggled with such a thing, in the moments where he is in the RV, pulling out all of his music equipment, stripping the RV, selling the RV, or pawning the RV itself to pay for the operation, uh, it was not until uh, the the character Joe spelled out, "From where I'm sitting, you look like an addict," that kind of retextualized, recontextualized the entire last thirty minutes, the previous thirty minutes of the movie. To be like, oh, yeah, I mean, he was paying for something that uh, most would see as an objective good, but it is kind of an addict story.
1: And it was not a twist I was expecting to come from the movie at that point. Yeah, and I mean, Paul Racy was adequately nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I thought, because he's one of those where he wasn't in the movie a whole lot, but when he was, you just, he commanded your presence. And yeah, like you said, that that speech he gives at the end about um what being what he views being deaf as is not being like a uh, what is the word that he says not being like a a bad thing essentially. Not like something there's nothing that to, needs to be
0: fixed. Yeah,
1: something that doesn't need to be fixed. I I was like, damn, that hits because that can be said for a lot of things that are different, maybe not as severe of a thing that can happen to you, but a very interesting uh, mindset to approach life with about some of the, maybe some of the smaller things or even bigger things that are out of your control that everyone just kind of has to learn how to uh, adjust to and live as part of their daily routine with that. Not everyone has to deal with, but it doesn't make you any less of a human being, you know. It's just everyone's got different quirks they have to, or challenges they have to overcome.
0: Right, and that's, uh, that, that, that's a lesson that can be applied to more than just a general disability, too. Um, like, I, I have half-joked that in the wake of watching The Father... Uh, watching that movie makes me want to kill myself at 70 because I could not imagine the almost literally unfathomable horror of going through Alzheimer's dementia. But in general, the shitty things about getting older and and even, you know, as you're younger, the way that things you like and enjoy change You know, I've always been afraid of the idea that there might come a time where I just simply don't enjoy video games anymore. And whereas something in my teen years was almost all that I did, come 20 years, I might not associate it whatsoever. And the idea of that really sucks, but the way life happens is by the time you get to that point, it will have been built on the back of so many other small changes that you might choose to have happen might happen to you, but something that you have to adjust to. So by the time you arrive at what you could contextualize as a big change, it's just another small change in a long line of things you're already used to. So it's not going to seem that big a deal because you have to change and adjust with the times, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But can you just imagine us being like seventy in a, you know, assisted living center all playing Halo Three. And just shit talking each other. Fuck That's yeah. the only thing that I look forward to is hopefully I don't have like dementia or Alzheimer's, and so that I could remember how to do that stuff. Because goddamn, us uh, Gen Zers are gonna be not Gen wait no millennials. No, we, we oh are millennial. god. What the fuck? Help! <laughs> oh god, us millennials. Oh and Gen Zers for that matter are gonna uh be up to a lot of different stuff than the current uh, old people. Yeah. <laughs> once we get to that age god willing yeah, i keep a sharp
0: enough mind to roll some dice and play dungeons and dragons
1: <laughs> i i was kind of shocked at how much i enjoyed the father as well um the just i mean some of those scenes i mean anthony hopkins acts his ass off in this movie and makes you feel real horror in a movie that's not really supposed to be horror, but there is genuine like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Parts of that movie that I think you could loosely say meet sort of a horror genre. It was really interesting and cool to see.
0: Yeah, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and dip into the father. I I had actually said on our last podcast that the father had the most fucking boring, unassuming name, and I was not looking forward to watching that movie. I thought I was going to be bored out of my mind, even if Anthony Hopkins was really good. And that was based on the assumption of the cover art, uh, or the, the, the poster rather, that I thought it was going to be a story about Olivia Colman's character taking care of her degenerating father. Uh, and that did not seem like an interesting movie to me. Now, there was always the hope that what is seen as an uninteresting concept will be made interesting once I'm forced to sit down and watch it. Um, But the movie was completely different than what I thought it was going to be because Anthony Hopkins was actually the main character. The man suffering from dementia was actually the main character. And when they make that first big twist and you see the world around him change and the actors are different and he's messing up names... It was kind of, I don't want to say mind-blowing, but it had an effect. Yes. I, I, I was right there with you. And from that first moment I was in, I was locked. I was here for this movie.
1: Yeah. Of all of them, except for maybe Sound of Metal, Sound of Metal and The Father were the two I watched where I was locked in completely, uh, time could not move slower, uh, to just enjoy every second of watching those two movies for me.
0: And there were, there were points near the end where like four minutes at a time, I couldn't look at the screen. I had my head in my hands from how
1: upsetting some of the stuff happening in that movie was. That, that last scene when he's in the new room, man. Oh my God. That one, that one hit real deep. And Oh, I just to what you were saying earlier. I don't want to get old. <laughs> so much like you had no expectations going
0: into Sound of Metal, I also had I less than no expectations. I thought I was actively going to dislike The Father, and uh, it turned out to now be one of my favorite movies of the year. I think if Nomadland hadn't won Best Picture, I think The Father should have been the
1: next up for it. I yeah, it would have come down to how. Well, I see. I did thought the father was going to get hit with not enough people having seen it, but then Anthony Hopkins won best actor. So clearly enough people saw it from to win that. So right. Or well, the I Academy
0: think... didn't log on and saw, Oh, Anthony Hopkins. He's a fucking
1: legacy treat. Yeah. I, voted for who, who knows? I, I question how many members of the Academy vote every year, but yeah. Yeah.
0: The father was very good. And if you haven't seen it, you really, really should. Although if you have a parent or a grandmother uh, or a parent or a grandparent suffering from dementia, it will probably be a significantly harder watch.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: 100%. But moving on to something more uplifting, uh, Minari. Yes.
1: I will let you lead off this one.
0: I think I really need to see Minari again. I, I liked it the first time, certainly, but I think if, uh, if I'm in a better mindset, it's something that I could enjoy a lot more. Um, it is the kind of movie I really like because I, I will always gravitate towards character pieces more than anything else, um, and generally I, I like to watch tortured characters, which is not what Minari is, um... But it was nice to see what was essentially a slice-of-life anime presented in a movie, in a way. Where you just got... It was a really quiet, very intimate movie that invited you into this first-generation America family coming from Korea. And to be able to see all their relationships play off of each other, the ways they struggled uh the relationship budding between the grandmother and her grandson uh it was it was a nice movie i guess it's the gentlest way i can put it <laughs> um, it's funny it, it's it's can, a vibe you're... it's a world i want to live in
1: essentially you just want to live in like 1960s arkansas
0: well i mean literally no but (laughs) the kind of warmth that comes from a family who has no one to rely on really but themselves through either a Mm. language barrier or a cultural barrier trying to build literally build a life for themselves is inspiring and warm
1: have you seen wolf children no i have not because see that's when you like it reminds me a lot of an anime. I was like, "Oh fuck. Yeah. It has hella Wolf Children vibes." Mm-hmm. Which is an m- anime movie that is I not like the same type of thing. It ha- it's an anime, so it has its own little twist. Uh but it's a very similar type of, you know, mother trying to make a life support her children by moving out into the boonies and farming. Has a great uh English dub hoe or ho uh, English dub line saying you aren't gonna get much done hoeing like that because she's like usually using a hoe to farm, you know. It's great. Uh I don't know if you could tell by that awesome delivery, but it's a good movie. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think if uh if you liked Minari, like that part of Minari, you might you might check that out because I think you might like it. Okay. I have it on Blu ray if you would like it. <laughs> But you but, were um, you're pretty unimpressed by Minardi. I it was just what I thought. To your point, like everything you said was accurate. It's just I that's exactly what I thought it was going to be going in and it was exactly that and it I didn't leave it go feeling like wow, that was amazing or wow, that sucked. I it was, it was a good movie. Um and that's about the extent of my take on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Uh well we are going to skip Promising Young Woman for this discussion because you have not seen it. I did not pay as much attention to it as I probably should have. Um but I do think that it is the weakest film listed here. Uh not to downplay how good of a movie it is because obviously it is nominated for best picture, but I do think in any other year it probably wouldn't have made the cut here. Yeah.
1: I think that's, well, it depends on the year, but it, yes, in a different year, this could easily have been left out, I Uh, think. Having not seen it, that's, from everything I've heard about it, that's what I would think.
0: But in probably the most unrelated take to the actual movie itself I could possibly make, uh, love to see Bo Burnham, always want to see more Bo Burnham, and he, in particular, I really enjoyed in this movie. Okay. So, okay.
1: moving on to Mank. Did we talk? I I know we've talked some about this previously. I don't really know how much to say or what to say because I got kind of turned off from Mank. This is what, oh, this is what it was. This is what got me on the discussion last week of the difference between watching movie a movie at home compared to the cinema and how, like, the first couple scenes of Mank just didn't pull me in. And part of that was cause I couldn't understand a goddamn thing that Gary Oldman was saying in the first couple lines. Like it was just mumbles the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Almost like listening to myself talk. And I don't know. I, I kind of, I got sucked in at the second half. I was like, okay, I'm about this. This is getting interesting. But also the first couple scenes, I, I, was it just me or it was like, I had no idea what the fuck was going on in the plot.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I think, I don't know if that was intentional, but for people like us, a, a younger generation that doesn't have an association with old Hollywood, that doesn't know the story that Mank is telling, uh, I think that is, whether or not it's intentional, it's
1: certainly an inevitability. Like, if, if you didn't tell me, if, if I didn't know going in, it was about the process of how Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane was written. I would have been three-fourths of the way through the movie and been like, oh, that's what all this has been about? Shit, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, which, you know, in a sense was kind of fun for me to have to backtrack and figure out, oh, he's talking to Orson Welles. Oh, they're making Citizen Kane because I recognize this scene they're describing. Uh, But yeah, they never come out and say that because, uh, you know, Herman Mankiewicz is a prolific writer in hollywood and if you have an education in cinema you probably should know his name but we did not uh not off the top of our heads certainly so mank for many reasons related to that is also a film that i think if i watch it a second time i
1: will like it a lot more upon that second viewing which we both haven't seen citizen kane correct correct I think and I think we both were like wow that makes me, this movie really makes me want to just now go watch Citizen Kane. So I think what we should do is we maybe we don't talk about it on the podcast, maybe we do. But we both go watch Citizen Kane and then rewatch Mank and see if that changes how we uh view the movie.
0: That would be an interesting experiment.
1: And I do want to see
0: Mank on not my phone and not on my earbuds uh, because I definitely yes.
1: That is one I'd want to see in a theater because I think I'd just enjoy it a lot more.
0: Yeah, and typically I don't have an issue with that. I've seen really good movies on my phone in my earbuds, um, and I have enjoyed them still. But the things that Mank does that I'm the biggest fan of is the artsy choices in the way the movie decides to present itself. Uh, Much like something like The Lighthouse, shot specifically on older film, on an older aspect ratio. Um, Mank does the same thing, where it's shot in black and white. Uh, They do editing on the sound to make it sound like an older Hollywood picture for the time. And that kind of thing isn't really able to properly be enjoyed if you're not in an environment that caters to it. So given the option, I would love to see Mank in a theater as well.
1: We just got a... That was a Netflix movie, so I don't even know... The probability of that one going to theaters. But, but at the very least, I, I should watch it at home in my
0: proper headphones.
1: Yes, in a proper like at-home viewing experience.
0: But I did like it. Um, I, I don't know that I'll be jumping at the chance to watch it again, but I did enjoy it while watching it. Uh, Mank, to me, felt like a textbook, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. But not in necessarily a bad way, because at least it's a subject I'm interested in. But it definitely felt like I was getting an education um, because I don't know a lot about old Hollywood, but it was certainly a whimsical time and it's something I would like to know more about. So I, I was happy to see it. I'm happy it got made. Uh, I just don't know that uh, it's going to stay in my memory forever.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very
0: accurate summation. So unless you have any more thoughts on that, uh, the only other movie we have left to talk about is Nomadland. Yes,
1: the best picture of 2020.
0: And I think earned, deservedly
1: so. Eh, I just don't have very, I mean, I don't have any strong feelings about it. Still, (laughs) even after I've thought about it more, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be, I don't think any... Movie this year is gonna be one. Five years from now, you look back and go, "Damn, I want to rewatch." Enter this movie, at least not for me. Um, I, I mean, *Nomadland* was good. The uh didn't wait. Didn't it not win for? Oh, that was a surprise. We got it didn't win for cinematography, which was wild.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. That um, did happen.
1: But like the cinematography was great. You got to see a lot more Francis McDormand than I thought I ever would want to see and don't even know if I actually wanted to see it. But at the end of it, I'm just like, yeah, that's an interesting lifestyle that a lot li- an interesting and kind of sad lifestyle that a lot of people actually do live. But I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this movie again.
0: I think a lot of best picture nominees and I think a lot of what one could consider objectively good movies are, I think they are Ryan Gosling. Objectively, the man is very attractive. Like, there's no one on this planet that does not think Ryan Gosling is a beautiful man. But for me, he is handsome in the most fucking generic way. (laughs) that I have no strong feelings about Ryan Gosling. Yes, he could give me a smoldering stare and I would do whatever he wants, but there's so many other people that aren't conventionally attractive that I would be so much more ready for, you know? Sure. And so the movies you remember are not going to be perfect movies, but they're movies that take a chance and do something Interesting, where the final product might not be a 10 out of 10, but at least there was something significantly enjoyable about it instead of just being Ryan Gosling. This is an interesting metaphor. So a movie like Sorry to Bother You, which I can't spoil because you still haven't seen it. I am never (laughs) going to forget watching Sorry to Bother You because it's so fucking weird. But I also can't give it more than like a 7 out of 10. Nomadland, yeah. I do think, for me, is a 10 out of 10. Now, I take that back. It's a 9.5 out of 10. There are really? things I wish the movie had done better. Um, and I always struggle with the idea of whether or not I'm imposing my own ideas of, if I could rewrite this movie, this would be a better movie. Or if it's just something they didn't do well. For instance... Um, I do not agree with the idea that Nomadland sterilizes uh, the idea of Amazon's employment. Um, The movie barely focuses on Amazon, and while it does not say any of the negatives we have heard in the last few months, I don't think it's necessarily saying that Amazon is a good guy. Um, However, I do think the movie was trying to make a kind of anti-capitalist message Or at least the idea that the ideas of capitalism are destroying our middle class and forcing people into this kind of lifestyle where they have to roam the country taking seasonal job to seasonal job. But then the movie kind of declaws itself when you find out that the people in the situation are also doing it by choice. Where the idea of coming together as a community is still heartwarming and the guy leading the initial meeting is very much like we need to get out of the society. It's hurting us. And this is the better way to live. Um, And the people in the community have heartbreaking stories about being forced out of their homes or loved ones dying because of the repercussions here. A lot of them are doing it by choice. And especially our main character, you find out uh, even before her husband died, she didn't want to stay in the town they were in. She was only doing it for him. And when he died, that wasn't a catalyst for her to need to get out of somewhere, but rather like a chain breaking and letting her do what she always wanted to do. And I think that really watered down the message of the
1: movie. Okay, that was, wow. That, yeah, I would I would kind of agree with you. The, the, you kind of summed up a lot of things I think I had been thinking about it, but... What you, my interpretation of everything you said was me just being like, yeah, it's okay movie. It was good. (laughs) Like, like, because of everything you said, I was just like, I don't know watching it. I, none of that stuff was like, boom, I get it. I, 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 you could almost say I monkey brain this movie (laughs) because also was I just too small brain? I, I saw some of the conversation post-seeing about the takes on what this movie was representing Amazon as. And I didn't really get any of that after, like, immediately. Like, I had seen some of that before I saw it in post. And I still don't really get how it paints Amazon in a particular light.
0: Well, I I think it's entirely based on the fact that uh, it was made pretty clear through dialogue that Amazon
1: is the job that pays her the best. I think. Oh, okay. And I could have, I could have heard this wrong on another podcast, but I thought I heard someone try to make a point about Amazon being what led to the her husband's company going out of business. Maybe. I don't know what exactly are the two lines on at the very beginning of the movie in text. Do you remember?
0: Uh, it was about. American Gypsum, I think the corporation was called, but I I forget what they said was the reason it closed down. But I okay, I don't
1: know that it was anything related to Amazon. Okay, because I I was trying I, I like had a a panic attack when the that text was on screen and was like oh fuck I think this is gonna be really important about the whole plot of the movie read it <laughs> and then I like forgot how to read, <laughs> so I was like I oh ah. So I just didn't know if, like, me not fully comprehending the second line of that text was, like, hindering how I was viewing what was going on in the movie. But I don't think it was. After, especially after everything you just said.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, to an extent it was important, but things that are revealed in the second half of the movie take precedence over that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought that, to your point, I thought... Oh, that's one thing. Did we talk about this? At the, uh, I don't know I'm going to say it again anyway. If not, <laughs> I, I wasn't crazy about the scene near the end with the guy and them doing the whole, like, oh, you should stay. When well, we all know she's not going to stay, and then she doesn't stay, and we go, we knew that was coming. I don't have a, like, deeper reason for why that irritated me why I don't like scenes like that in a movie because it does serve a purpose. It's like, yeah, she wasn't going to stay even if she has this nice situation that would probably be like a normal person would be like, this is nice. Maybe I stay. And and they use that to further represent why like she's not staying in one place. She's just not. But for some reason, scenes like that in movies where it's like, I know what you're going to do here, but even though we already know the answer, Regardless of the theme of the movie, I'm like, why you, stop it? I don't, I get it. You didn't have to show me something I already knew the answer to. But I don't know. Man, I'm probably just weird as hell.
0: I mean, I could see where it, it's frustrating that the movie wastes time building up something that you already know the outcome to. Uh, yeah, not, it's more that. Not to say that that's always a bad thing. Because for most movies, uh, like, like a Marvel movie, for instance, you pretty much know by the end of the movie, the good guy's going to win. But at that point, it's more important that the journey up to that point is interesting. Uh, But in a quieter scene like this, where there's not like stakes and a real journey to be made, there wasn't really a whole lot happening at the house scene for there to be a journey to get to that point.
1: So I understand the frustration there. I I guess I, I, I enjoy seeing it so much when a movie can do it in a way where I genuinely don't know. I don't know if they're going to stay. I don't know if they're going to go back to whatever behavior they were doing or if they've actually turned over a new leaf and are going to change. I've I've seen that done enough that I love seeing that done well in a movie that when they just do the, okay, yeah, it's just exactly what we thought was going to happen. We knew they weren't going to change and then, oh yeah, they didn't change. Wow. I'm like, damn it. It was an opportunity missed in my book just because I, granted, even though I, I, I 100% understand the purpose doing that in a movie or any story has, and that there are, like you said, certainly times where that it is better to do it that way. I It's just not... I prefer seeing the... not know it. Seeing the version where you just don't know what the character's going to do.
0: Yeah, and that's certainly a moment where I give myself to the movie, and it's almost like I'm playing a character in my own head. That I'm I'm just a good little boy in the audience that's playing dumb to let the movie take me away. Hmm, yeah. Uh, so, that part didn't bother me as much, but maybe on a second viewing, when I do for sure know the outcome, I might feel that that scene drags a little too long to get to the point that it needs to. Hmm, that, yeah, that's a good point. But I won't know unless I watch the movie again, and I likely won't.
1: <laughs> well, We've gone through all the Best Picture ones. Do we want to? Are we going to address any other ones? Because I feel like the only other one that we both saw was Ma Rainey, which didn't we? We talked about that last week. Yeah, we did. Um. So I don't know if there's any more recap that you want to do, or if any there any like last last mentions of the Oscars, Oscar moments, movies nominated, anything like that. I don't think I have anything other than I should really go watch
0: more of the best animated features.
1: Yeah, the, they looked a lot better than I think I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a boss baby year where it was like, yeah, we got one good movie and then like, you know, fucking boss babies nominated. <laughs> right.
0: Um, I think Wolf Walkers. Uh, that movie in particular, yes. I I don't like the poster for. It doesn't make me want to watch that movie, but seeing yes. the clip they showed at the show um, seemed more interesting. Once I, I saw the movie in motion, that seemed like something I would enjoy
1: more. I could not agree more. I, I, was the I don't same.
0: know that it could possibly top Soul for me just because it doesn't look like the kind of movie that would resonate the same way that Soul did, but does seem worth a watch. A hundred percent. Other than that, I don't think I have anything else.
1: Okay. Well, with that, I think that wraps up our Oscar movie conversation and recap. Quite so.
0: And I think next week we'll be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, It'll be after the the behind-the-scenes featurette comes out. Who knows if we'll talk about that at all, but uh, I think we definitely have some thoughts we want to share on the show as a whole spoilers
1: yeah, i we've... liked it yeah yeah i i did as well and we'll, there will actually be some interesting streaming news that came out last week but we'll finally get to that as well i think if we have time so until then follow us on twitter at obsession
0: underscore pod if you're listening on apple podcast leave us a five-star review and if you are listening anywhere else at least recommend us to a friend it will help us out and make me feel better when the numbers go up <laughs> So we will see you next week.
1: Adios.